Welcome to the Full 60 featuring Craig Custance and presented by The Athletic. Each week, we'll dive into the biggest stories in hockey while bringing in unique voices to entertain and explain all aspects of the game. Hey, this is Craig and welcome to this week's episode of the Full 60. This one was a blast to do uh, because it aligned two warring factions at ESPN and The Athletic to come together into one podcast and defend ourselves, and it was a lot of fun. Greg Wyshynski and Emily Kaplan, both of ESPN, joined me and Dom Luschijan uh, of The Athletic to talk over our top 100 players. We both went into the season and did, you know, this is not a super original idea, I would, I would grant, although I would contend both the way both of us, uh, the ESPN and The Athletic, approached it was different and original, but we both did top 100 players. And our lists look, I would say, dramatically different. Now, for one reason, uh, our goalies were sussed out and included in the goalie tiers package that I ran. So it's going to look different because of that. But even when you account for that, our lists were pretty dramatically different. And so we thought it would be fun to get Greg and Emily on with Dom and I, explain our process, debate our differences. And we certainly had that and see if we can find any common ground. Um, <laughs> I don't know if we got there, but it was it was fun just to talk hockey with, with those three and, and debate and have a good time. And so let's jump right in to this week's episode of The Full 60, the Player Tears Debate episode. I'm thrilled to have arch rivals from ESPN, Emily Kaplan and Greg Wyshynski. Hi, guys. Welcome. Greetings. Hey. <laughs> and um, teammate, colleague, um, all around great guy, Dom Luschijan. Oh, I screwed it up. <laughs> oh, oh, so close. I, you were yeah. so close. Oh, you almost we talked about oh, this. Can I try it again? We talked about oh. this. Dom you didn't from stick the, the landing. Athletic. You don't have to keep it. No, no. Dom has a last name like the rest of us, Greg. You should be trying to brand him. Dom the Athletic's a good name. Dom at the Athletic is a good name. Yeah, but yeah. And then he leaves. It would be like having a nickname like Puck Daddy. <laughs> right. And then you say you go to ESPN and they don't know the rights to it. Well, I always um, assumed that Puck Daddy is that would what be happened? like. Well, yeah. And I always assumed it would be like Doctor Who, where. You know, someone would just become the new Puck Daddy, but instead they, um, oh, what was it? Uh, got rid of it uh, emphatically and dr- dropped it, um, which was really fun. And what was really fun about that was that uh, right before I left for ESPN, we had these long conversations about how uh, if I had stayed, they were going to like, you know, make it a huge brand and, you know, it would be like synonymous with hockey. And then like roughly 15 minutes after I left, they dropped it all together. So whoever wants it can pick it up. Well. But would you want somebody else to be pucked? Like, would you, like, hey, uh, you know, I don't even know who would do it, but someone went to Yahoo. If I went to Yahoo and I became Puck Daddy, you'd been like, hey, you're just carrying the torch? Or you'd be like, that's super weird, dude. No, I always thought as, as other people would contribute to it, like how there's multiple Batman or James Bondeses, you know, everybody would have their oh, own run right, as right. the Puck Daddy mm-hmm. and then bring their own flavor to it. That's kind of how I ended up. The real question is, who owns the domain puckdaddy.com? Because when I used to work at the MMQB, um, there was a furniture seller in Cleveland who was holding it hostage. And at first it was like 200K and Sports Illustrated thought that was too expensive, but they definitely should have bought it. 
But I think he still got it. I would like to that check that, again? Emily, but I don't want to check it on our work computer. Um, so. <laughs> <laughs> no, we are cast oh. members of Disney. We can't do that. <laughs> so Dom at the Athletic. Dom, it, it would be even better if, Dom, if we just branded him that, and then he went to ESPN and was still Dom at the Athletic. He just was like, I'm bringing you <laughs> <it>. ESPN. <laughs> right. Dom, never leave us. Like if so Arianna Huffington... Reason- Gets a job at another <laughs> publication. It's still pretty good for the Huffington Post. Completely right. Yeah, exactly. It's exactly the same thing. The reason we got all of us together is because, as sometimes happens um, at the start of a season, we have similar stories that run. Um, in this case, not an original idea. I'll be the first one to grant. I think we all can agree a top one hundred or a, a version of a top one hundred players in the NHL. Um, we, Dom and I did ours a little differently. We stole a concept from our NBA group and we broke them into tiers because everyone knows I love tiers first and foremost. Um, and it, what's that? I, I think Greg just had something to say about your tier system. Oh, oh yeah. Greg, so, by all means. Like these tiers. What's with the tiers? <laughs> can, can we talk about your goalie tiers for a second? You had a tier oh, of gosh. two goalies. Yeah. It's not a tier. It's a porch. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, that's a, that's a so, porch, that's a shelf, a ledge, maybe. That's not a tier. We had three three people in 1A. On the, so the way the goalie tiers works, and I don't know if um, I, I, I may I might change it from year to year. I don't know. I round up or down. So if when I when I have people give their ratings and I average them out over the giant, not giant, the entire panel, um, if somebody is a 1.1, they're in tier one. If they're a 1.8, they're in tier two. Yeah. I don't know. You got tier two Is there two a better people. way? I don't know. How about a format that doesn't leave us in oh, tears? The other kind, Craig. I mean, oh my gosh. I think it's fine. We always used to say Conor McDavid was in a tier of his own. Thank He's you. on his own shelf. You know how you have like a bookshelf and you're styling it and just you have this really nice vase and you just put that one vase there? That's Conor McDavid in his tier mm. of his Sorry, own. Sorry, my apartment is not that well decorated. <laughs> what? Yeah, I don't think tiers have... There's, I don't think there's a minimum or maximum amount of people you can have one. Like tiers... It like doesn't mean anything in terms of how many. Dom, were you Dom, were you trying to say that Connor McDavid is gorgeous but empty inside? Is that what you're trying to infer with this base? <laughs> I mean, we saw his house. <laughs> <laughs> Did we? <laughs> uh, Did you miss that on Twitter? I Brad? missed it was that. The whole yeah. thing. Is his house empty? I I personally. It's like a dark cavern. It's like he's Batman. His girlfriend designed it. She has very good taste, and we all have bad taste. I, I love the house. I was one of the few people who did, but everyone was, can I swear on this podcast, Greg? Yes. Everyone was shitting all over it. Yeah, because it was the lair of a supervillain wow. was the problem, I think. Do you guys remember when, we're already off track, I don't even <laughs> told why we're getting together. Do you remember when Phil Kessel sold his house? He had like the chair in front of the, what was, like Just there the was one, yeah, chair. one chair yep. in front of the movie yeah, screen? Yeah, that was later one... revealed to be staged by his real estate agent. Which again is Sorry the, to burst your makes the story even better because his real estate agent's like, "How should we stage this house?" Oh, I know. Put one chair in the middle of a giant empty room in front of a screen. That'll compel somebody to buy it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would have fired that real estate agent immediately. One story that it never get. I I kept bugging Sean Gentile when Phil Kessel played for the Steelers or the Steelers, the Penguins, to go <laughs> to the um, the poker room where Phil constantly played and. You know, I give Sean a couple hundred bucks and and just write about trying to beat Phil Kessel at poker, and we never got that one off the ground. Mm. 
sadly. You guys don't seem too sympathetic. No, we are working on ESPN.com. Oh, you guys, you guys are working on a story. All right, good. Oh, yeah, I shouldn't be giving story ideas over this. Um, we we convened this group because we each have our top 100. And they looked, I mean, just by design, they looked different. But they, like right off the hop, I got three people into the ESPN list, and it looked different than what Dom and I were working on and then later revealed. And I thought it would be fun to debate this. I want to start first um, with Emily and Greg. Can you take us behind the scenes and at least and set up kind of the, the debate you guys were having and how you came up with the, the list to begin with? Greg? Well, I mean, let's see. It started with the dartboard. And uh, <laughs> we were each then it looks like it. We had uh-huh, a, uh-huh. Uh, a monkey, um, not the TSN monkey, but a different one, an American-born one because the World Juniors. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then that picked some of them. Uh, and then we, I wasn't implying by asking about your methodology to suggest you didn't have one, by the way. Oh, I thought that's why we were on this podcast for you guys to dunk on us. <laughs> <laughs> Many of the NBA writers we asked had Yager third. So that was a problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, no, basically it was like, we just, we just had an internal, internal poll. I mean, that's kind of what it yeah. was. We didn't, we, we had, we had a, a, a robust pool of players we had uh, our own internal rankings and then um, adjusted accordingly after the first uh, draft was done in which, you know, there were arguments internally about Jacob certain players Slavin. that should be higher. <laughs> yeah, that Jacob Slavin should be higher and uh, and maybe other people not so much. But uh, but yeah, I mean, it was it was uh, it, w- it was institutional knowledge, I say, was the driving force yeah. behind our list. And I think what I'll say is, um, firstly, I just am so flattered you had me on because my favorite part of my job, it truly is. It's not, um, you know, traveling around and being able to talk to really interesting people and pick their brains. It's coming up with uh, subjective lists and putting them on the internet. personally. But besides that, I think this exercise just proved um, how many freaking talented players are in the league right now because like we left off a bunch of players that I felt uneasy with. Like we left off Colton Brico, mm. we left off Tivo Turvine and um, Dylan Larkin, I don't think made our list. And, you know, the idea from the editor who did ours was this is a predictive ranking. Who's going to have the biggest impact on this coming season. And I think yeah. that when like Larkin fell off because no one expects much from the uh, Detroit Red Wings. Um, and that's why someone right. like Yager landed very high because it's very clear in this unusual season, he's probably going to sign over from check. He was two week quarantine. And <laughs> that's the only way this season. That's right. That's right. So I take it. You guys also had a completely subjective list that didn't rely on any analytics and didn't include anybody from the NHL commenting on it or. No, we, in fact, Greg, um, we went an opposite route, and that's not to say one way is better than the others, because I believe in institutional knowledge. And and look, I and I tell our writers this all the time: people care what 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 they think, right? Like like you know, we're long past the days of like the beat writer never allowed to weigh in on stuff, and and so I I really value you know what, when people say okay, they take a stand or they give analysis or they you know people care what you think, and so. I, you know, I liked your list and I, and I, I, and I do want to get at what internal debates you guys had. Cause Dom and I had a lot, I would say, mm-hmm. um, a couple come to mind maybe more prominently. Um, but Dom, just for people who aren't familiar, I, I'll let you break down the process. Yeah. So 
essentially Seth dropped his player tiers and then Ian, our managing editor, messaged me, said, hey, you should do this for hockey. And in my mind, it wouldn't be right to do it for hockey because our total value stats aren't the best. There's a lot of stuff missing. There's a lot of assumptions made. So I messaged Craig and I know Craig likes to talk to a lot of people and he delegates his tiers. So I figured he was the perfect partner for this. And I pitched it to him and he's like, wait, we can just change what the analytics say. I'm like, yes, we, we, we trust your opinions, Craig. You're allowed to uh, to say where things differ. This is how analytics work? This is how analytics work, yes. So the, the, basic, <laughs> the basic idea is that the model would be the starting point, and then based on our institutional knowledge, we would sort of move players around based on what we think the model's missing, what we've seen, what we like from certain players. And so me and Craig were on the phone for a good two hours debating, moving players around. He had certain players he liked more. I had certain players I liked more. And eventually we had a list that we felt was pretty good. And we sent it around the NHL. And then they sent it back. And then we... Can you talk me through more. the sending around the NHL? Is this like the waiver wire? Is there some email uh, Elias has emailed it to? Yeah. That's <laughs> uh, mostly mostly Craig. Craig's the, Craig's the source guy. He's the one who sent it around. Gotcha. I sent it to, you know, the secret line that, that um, everybody has that the five minutes before the trades are made that we all get, the email. Yeah, you know, we're not on that. We work for ESPN. No, <laughs> no one includes us on that, Craig. I'm just sure right. The secret email. It doesn't exist. Contrary to popular belief. Maybe it does exist. I think we, I, we should debate this at the end if something like that does exist. I'm not on it. And NHL conspiracy theories at the end. I, yeah. Like the rights holders. Because we are we are outside the rights holders um, circle of trust, the, the four of us. Dom, um, you've, you are a, a, one of the most respected um, voices in on the analytics front. Uh, I think many of us consume your content on a daily basis because of how precise and uh, insightful your research is. How did it feel mm-hmm. to light all that on fire and succumb to the eye test uh, in putting this list together? <laughs> it uh, it felt really good. I, I felt really good about it because I feel like that's what they are doing in front offices. I've talked to other analysts and they, I mean, when... People say it's a tool in the toolbox that's not meant to be a joke. It's supposed to be a part of the system. And I have never said my model is 100% accurate. I believe it 100%. I know there are things that are missing. And that's sort of the reaction Craig also had when I first brought this to his attention. He's like, are you sure you want to just do this and have these eye tested base? I'm like, yes, this is this is exactly what I want to do. But Dom acts like... Um you know, he presented the list and then I gave feedback and he willing and he, he slotted like he was only willing to move so far off the numbers if we're being completely. That right. is also correct. He would like I, I, before I get into what we argued over, but we, we'd have arguments and he go, all right, I'll move it up one like from two <laughs> B from, you know, three A to two B. And I would be like, no, no, this is like a one B. And that wasn't that was a non-starter. So. There's only so far I would go. I, I stood my ground for certain players more than others, but there were other times where Craig would say something like, you know what, Craig, you can have this one. And I just Oh, we got to get into Quinn Hughes and Cal McCarr in a sec. We'll, I, we, we'll do it as a group. But so I, I want to get in. So was Jacob Slavin the biggest one for you guys in terms of internal debates? I would, I would say so, right? 
Yeah, I just remember wherever I saw him initially, I was just offended by. Um, there was a couple other defensemen above him that I just knew he was a more valuable player then. So I just remember yelling about yapping and yapping, saying, I'm raise him higher. Other than that, like like I said, there's personal gripes I have on our list. Like, again, it's some of the snubs, but it's a collective group. And when you're talking about the way you guys were doing it, it's modeling like a front office where the analytics, you know, present the information and then people use the eye test. I like to think of us as the Vancouver Canucks where we draft really well and have great players in front of us. And then it's like 2018 free agency. Let's just go. <laughs> I think another I think another name another name that we wanted a little bit higher and you know it was tough because his starting position was pretty low was uh, Svechnikov um mm-hmm. especially with sort of an eye towards mm-hmm. this season who was going to be good this season um I think that he was a little bit undervalued in the initial list and remained undervalued even though we got him up a little bit higher which is funny because I feel like on our staff, there's like an outsized or disproportionate amount of love for the Carolina Hurricanes just because they are plucky, they are fun. And then there's also the Hartford connection, Craig, as you know, like there's a bunch of people at ESPN <laughs> right. who are Whalers fans. <laughs> and that's, that's a fact. Follow. Yeah. Um, just for for the record, I think if I'm reading Dom's spreadsheets, Dom, we were talking about this earlier, set up a spreadsheet for this conversation, of course. And it's color coded on and brand, on brand. <laughs> you and in me, of course, can barely. I'm trying to read it correctly. Andre Svechnikov. You guys had him at 74. You guys being ESPN. Our outside of goalies. What's that? Because they had yeah, goalies, they so I took further. the goalies. Yes. Also. So yeah. we had we kind of sussed out the goalies because they were in the goalie tiers the previous day. Um, we had him in a range 39. Looks like right. To 50, 39 yeah, to 50, 50 without goalies. And and I will say this. This was one that came up when we talked to people. It, like one of the questions we asked um, ourselves and people that we were talking to, you know, in front offices or coaches, like who's going to make us look bad in a year when we go back and look at this in, in terms of being too low or too high? And that's a name that came up that even in our 39 to 50 range, people were like, that's a real candidate to make you guys look bad because he could just have this huge season. And we already had him so high, especially compared to you guys, which is interesting. I think a lot of the fundamental differences from where, when I see all the differences between our two lists is we do skew towards the younger players to rank them a lot higher. Uh, I think having the model starting point and having that age adjusted does help where we didn't have as much reverence to the old guard. We revered the old guard. We really revere them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry. Well, that's – and so the Alex Ovechkin, <laughs> I think that probably is where, at least publicly, I saw in Twitter and, like, mm-hmm. people seem to have a real issue with us not revering Alex Ovechkin enough. In, Why? Because in, he scored, like, 150 goals over the last three seasons? <sighs> I mean, so just to be clear, you guys didn't have Drew Doughty? No, we didn't. Oh, that was easy. That was, <laughs> that yeah. was an easy call. I didn't even. You, you guys had Drew Doughty. Yeah. In twenty twenty one. Sheet together, Dob. Of course, we had Drew Doughty. <laughs> oh, that was the whole point of of you having us on. We should talk about how Drew Doughty was on the list. We, so, well, these are two different conversations. We did not have. We, we did have Alex Ovechkin. We did not have him very, yeah. as high. We, you know, we really debated where to put these like great legacy players as we're projecting forward. We, you know, in some of these older players, we did tend to. 
I think we were harder on. Like he Ovechkin was a three A tier three A, which is a twenty six to thirty eight range. You guys had him eight, right? Like the guy who I mean, won seven out of the last eight scoring titles. We just think he's magically mm-hmm. going to drop off. He did drop off last year. Where do you think for, he ranked in goals yeah, for but six? Dro- on the dropped off from what level? What right? I mean, like from what what tier to what tier yeah. did he drop off? I I understand. I honestly I think he'd be too high in tier one. I think honestly, looking back, he might be too low in tier three for us, and we might mm. be a little harsh on his age. But last year, the Capitals got outscored with Ovechkin on the ice despite all those goals that he scored. The power play was average despite all those goals that he scored. So did he help as much as his Rocket Richard trophy suggests? I don't think it's as clear-cut as that. Goals is a fancy stat. We don't like goals. We do like goals. I factor (laughs) in goals, Emily. We like goals, but we need to put goals into context. I'm going to not allow you guys to attack Dom like this. This is not. Hold on. This if you say, if you say you like goals, if you say you like goals, and you yeah. leave Patrick Laine off your ranking, what does that tell you about goals? Is this a coordinated uh, attack? You too. <laughs> so we were ready to get dumped on. We came defensive. Okay. Well, well Patrick. Well, we can, I, I do like. There's. I want to save that section who we left off because there's a lot of interesting mm-hmm. names. Um, that that I think on both sides, on both sides. Patrick Line, <laughs> Drew Doughty for one. Um, I know you guys love Drew Doughty. You know, there's <laughs> there's some names that you Greg guys left off. Drew Doughty. Yeah, but I do want to get at the top of the list first and foremost because we got three people in and already were disagreeing the two lists. Um, Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover. Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right. So you guys, thankfully, you don't have to sit and listen to all my ad reads. So you guys can skip all that. Although I'll I want stay on to do after <laughs> you can, can I hear one ad read? Do you want to hear one? Which one do you like best? The, yeah. Um, I always, I, I, I don't even want to get into this right now. Are you sponsored by Manscaped or what? I'm, oh, I, I was um, really hoping to hear Craig talk about MeUndies. I don't do, I don't do MeUndies. <laughs> I don't do, I, I, um, yeah, those are, you know, um, if you want to last they're sponsoring the sponsoring athletic podcasts, I appreciate Blue their Chew. support. You don't, do you do, uh, anyways, I don't want to get into that. Do we do ad podcast? No, no, we don't anymore. <laughs> can we talk about that? No, we yeah, haven't we talked talk about, about that. It. Are you saying can? Are you asking can we talk about that? Can we talk about that? I feel yeah, like, of course, we could talk about it's it. It's terrible. What would happen there? With you, you guys have a, had a great podcast. Did you want to talk about it on your show, or did you want to talk about it now? I mean, we're still recording. <laughs> I'll talk about it. <laughs> I'm happy talking about it. Um, okay, Greg and I were good. really proud of what we built. Uh, we felt like we had really good chemistry. It was a really great platform for us to give our opinions on the NHL. We were getting a ton of guests. 
Um, yeah, you know, good guess. Our last episode, we had John Cooper who won a Stanley Cup right afterwards. And was like, I hate to admit it, but I listened to your podcast. So it was a great experience for us. But unfortunately, as you guys know, um, there's this global pandemic happening that will affect finances. There was restructuring at ESPN Radio in the audio department. And um, they had to cut a certain amount of podcasts. And Greg, as you know, and I said podcast like I'm Nick Kroll, the podcast. Um, <laughs> in our podcast, um, you know, as you know, Craig at ESPN, when we're not a rights holder, hockey's usually the first uh, to get cut. So mm-hmm. we're told it wasn't going to come back this year, and we're really disappointed by it. But hopeful, uh, maybe we can get a revival in the future. That was a good yeah, answer. Yeah, that's about right. And uh, <laughs> it did suck that that I mean, because the show was good. The show had Im- improved on the listenership of previous incarnations. Um, and it definitely had a following, like, you know, I was just actually talking to somebody the other day about like when the show with me and Merrick, uh, stopped and you don't realize how, how much it means to people until it's Mm. over and you get the outpouring of, oh, this really meant something to me, which is great, except you can only get it when the thing is dead, uh, which is kind of the bummer. And I think that was the experience that Emily and I had in the last, you know, month or, or, or so of, of just having people talk about how meaningful the show was and how much they enjoyed it and things of that nature, which was good. I mean, anytime you create something, uh, you want it to be meaningful to people. And hopefully, you know, the, the people that, uh, let, uh, our, uh, you know, company know how much it meant to them, uh, made a, a, a dent in the, uh, in the, in the, in, in, in the opinion of, of, uh, whether or not the show should continue. I, I want to let you both know you have a, a standing invite to come on the full 60 any week, no matter who the guest is, always. Just let me know, and I will get you in. A robuster and attack Dom like we are now? Yeah, I've just no. tried to – yeah. I'm, I'll let, I'm here Dom for it. Dom likes I'm, it, though. I'm coming I'm on. Like our, I'm protective of fun. him. He already wants to fight about Patrick Lyon, and I'm trying to change this. Like, this gets at <laughs> all of our personalities. And I'm going to let Greg's comment about improving on previous incarnations of ESPN Hockey Podcast slide right by – Without commenting on it at all. Oh, that's numbers based, but that ain't opinion. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, all right, I'm sticking a pin in the Patrick Liney fight to go to the top, and and we both we all agree McDavid and McKinnon um, are one and two in terms of uh, w- although we didn't put them in order, they're in the top two. We feel we both feel good about that. So we they're got two people in. Arch. Yep. Yes, we feel really good. We got two players into the league. We had Austin Matthews as the third person in the kind of the trifecta of the league's elite. Um, you guys had Victor Hedman. So the reigning counts, Mike Brenner. Uh. Yeah, I, we love Victor Hedman. So this is, I don't, I do not want this to turn into a Victor Hedman thing. I, I'd be curious. We had Victor Hedman. Yeah, we had Victor Hedman. Had Victor like Hedman. right the next year, it. essentially would be fourth on our list or fourth to seven. No, we 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 started with Hedman in one A, and then. I think we just adjusted defensemen down in general. Yeah. I think that that was part of the issue. So he would have been there. I don't think there's enough. There, we don't need to debate Hedman. We all love Hedman. Was yeah. it that your model defensemen don't have as much of an impact? As forwards, no. I, generally, it's not. But it is interesting because I, I wrote in the playoffs about looking, looking at past cup winners. And I think what we all see is that the number one defenseman on those cup winners always is amazing. And we saw that with Hedman. We've seen that with Dowdy in the past. We've seen that with Duncan Keith and they all play well above expectations. Mm -hmm. So I think it's something that it's difficult for a defenseman to have that impact night in night out over an 82 game season. But when it comes to playoffs, they're just as important. 
I think there's only been one team that didn't have that type of defenseman on the roster, if you're willing to concede that John Carlson is that type of defenseman, and that was the year the Penguins won without Latang. Mm. Like, every other team yeah. around that um, that win, and you could probably go back a decade from that win, uh, had someone of that nature. Th- throwing out the anomalous 05-06 season. Um, Your almost every other team. that guy for the Kings, I'll tell you that. Who's yeah, that? and Lindstrom, uh, is he still Pronger and Niedermeyer? Yeah, mm-hmm. so I think I think that's that's a, and uh, I don't think we talk enough about that being an essential part of the DNA of a championship team. But I'll say this about Hedman: like, if you are, if you wanted to make the all-around player argument for who is the best player in hockey, and want to concede that Connor and McKinnon have flaws in their overall game. Could you make the argument that Victor Hedman is the best player in hockey? I no, Connor McDavid's the best <laughs> player in hockey. Like, yeah, and I mean, just look at last. I mean, I don't know when this is going to air, but like last night's game, like, Victor Hedman doesn't have those moments where he can just completely transform an entire game the way that Connor. I mean, McDavid he does. won the Conn Smythe. So I'm not like you're not going to get me to say anything bad about Victor Hedman. I'm just not going right. to say he's the best player in the game. I mean, that's not an insult. I don't think it's an insult, but I, I'm just I'm just saying that if we're talking like where he should be in the top three, there could be an argument made that he's number one. Are you making this argument because you had him three by my math? Sure, I think I, I I not I don't think I had I think I had Connor one, but I think you could make the argument that he there's a bigger gap between him and the second best defenseman than there is between Connor and the second best forward. Mm. Would you agree with that? Yeah. I also think it's really interesting of what we're weighing here because Greg and, you know, we were just bringing up this point of a championship team almost always has a number one defenseman. Like we see the Vegas Golden Knights in their entire existence. They never had a number one defenseman. They felt like that's the one thing they were missing. And that's why they went out and got Pietrangelo. And so like, yeah, like in the regular season, Connor McDavid takes over a game. But like when you get to the playoffs, you need that number one defenseman playing 30 minutes. But I would counter for the last decade almost every Stanley Cup champion has had that number one defenseman and has had that number one franchise center for the most part yeah, you yeah. know the Crosby's the Taves the Kopitar's yeah. Braden Point probably qualifies the way he played you know what I mean like I and you know you you almost need them both to win a Stanley Cup you need both and you probably need an elite winger too and a goalie playing at that level as well you need four and there's a lot of teams that get away with two or three, but we saw Tampa Bay last year do it so easily because they had all four. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, so that, so, I mean, Greg, I, like we like Victor Hedman. I, I we're, I think we got some push. It's funny, like, especially when I'm working on stuff and like, I, I like the Maple Leafs and I'm sure you get this too, Greg, cause you picked the Maple Leafs to win it all. I love the Maple Leafs and I like, really like Austin Matthews. And then I get accused of being like Toronto centric or, and I don't know why I think the athletic for some reason has this, reputation or people want to throw that we have awesome Matthews. the first place you had hockey coverage was in toronto mm, that's not true chicago chicago oh, i was in chicago first yeah scott powers oh. get wrecked greg so <laughs> if anything we're chicago know your athletic history greg <laughs> sorry Back in uh, 2016 it must have been behind the paywall at that point so oh. yeah now no, it's the, all outside uh, the paywall no, no i get i get the the toronto centric thing too um but it's I don't know why. Like, I mean, it, it's funny because like 
true Toronto centricity, if that is a word, would be to claim that they're not going to win and to be cynical about them. That's like right. That's, that, that, would, that would qualify us as true Toronto media, if that were the case. As someone who lives in Toronto, I'm going to agree with Greg here. Uh, I never think the Leafs are going to win, and I somehow get accused of juicing my model mm. to favor <laughs> Leafs specifically, which is one of the dumbest arguments <laughs> I've ever had to deal with <laughs> in common sections. Like, I'm wagering real dollars on this league. I have an entire career, and they think I'm going to ruin my integrity to make my favorite players look pretty. Like, what the fuck? That sounds like there's a like a, a crackpot on Reddit whenever your name comes up who just drops, well, you know, he juices his model for the Leafs. <laughs> This is cop. This is on Twitter. This is on athletic comment sections. This isn't even on Leaf articles. This will be on other ones. It's insane. Right. right. You put out something about like goalie tears, and then someone's just like, "Well, yeah. Uh, what am I supposed down. to do? Respect the opinion of someone who juices his model for the Leafs?" I can't wait until it's revealed that it's actually Kyle Dubas's grandma who's been this troll. <laughs> uh, isn't it her birthday? I feel like that just popped it into my birthday. feed. That's on Happy, my mind. Happy birthday, Grandma. Dubis. Um Doobie. Doobie. Yeah. So we have, so in, in perfect, you know, in athletic, because we juiced the model, we had Austin Matthews three. You guys had him six. How was, how close was he into that conversation for you guys into that top, top three, if at all? Oh, I think he was, I mean, I think all the people behind McDavid and McKinnon, who I'm pretty sure were, were fairly ensconced in the top two spots. Uh, there were, um, there were different polls that were submitted that had Matthews anywhere from, you know, three to six. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I think he was in the mix. Part of part of the thing with Matthews that I think probably hurt him was that, um, you know, the, the freshest thing on the minds of some people might have been the playoffs. Right. And uh, mm-hmm. that's not the Austin Matthews you want top of mind when you're putting this list together. Right. And I think the playoffs, the playoffs definitely factored in. Um, that now they don't into Dom's model. Where where it factored in was when we were passing this around because it was very much. It's every um, comment seemed to start with in the bubble, comma you know this guy, mm-hmm. and then fill in the blank. And it re- and I would say where it was really outsized or, or seemed to to really be um, an impact was with Seth Jones one, and I think Pierre Luc Dubois. I would say. Seem to get a lot of, you know, and of course, you know, the, the Tampa guys, but I think everyone already liked the Tampa guys. But Seth Jones seemed to have won everybody over besides Dom. But he's so low on your list. Well, let's, we can talk about that. Seth, he started or, much lower. Dom, why don't you explain? But do you think, do you think, uh, Kuznetsov was impacted by the bubble negatively? I think it was already just very bad defensively. Yeah, we had, so Kuznetsov was never on our list. I don't think in any versions, um, but was brought up uh, by a couple of people just said, hey, you know, I, we noticed, but they didn't really make a case for him. So we just kept him off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, yeah. it makes sense. At we least had you, a- you got Anthony Mantha on, though. That's good. He's a good player. <laughs> Drives play for a bad team. Just because he's on a bad team doesn't mean he's a good, not a good player, Greg. Anthony Mantha, oh. I, I, I'm going to clip that and save that. He's going to have a good year. He's sure. a really good player. I agree. I like their top line a lot, and I wish that I could only watch that top line play so I could just watch Red Wings <laughs> games. 
It's um, I I watched their game last night. It, it's it's hard to watch when the top line's not on the ice. I it's, tuned in for a period, and that's all I could stomach for that moment. It's like I said in my column this week. There there there, there needs to be an NFL Red Zone channel for whenever uh, Eichel and, and Taylor Hall are on the ice together, and then you could just watch it. <laughs> And then so not I worry love about the that. rest of it for the Sabres. I've always said NF a red zone channel for power plays would be mm-hmm. fun. Power I would, plays, I would yeah. watch that. Oh, that's a but great. Yeah, absolutely. A top line even would be. You know what I mean? Just some sort of alert where it's like the best player on you the ice. You can watch Bill Larkin. You can turn it off and turn off someone else. Yeah, you don't want to watch Robbie Fabry or whatever. Mm-hmm. So Dom, why don't you can you explain the Seth Jones situation? Because I think it was it's worth talking about. Yeah, I want to hear that. It is. It's it's very much worth talking about and. I think my model had him in 4A right next to Wierenski to start. And the first thing I said to Craig was, I know Jones is low. We are going to move him up. Don't worry. One entire tier. We're not even going half tier. We're going full tier here. I get it. I see it. I watch him. He looks good. I like him. The numbers don't seem to bear that out. And the major issue is that the Blue Jackets when Jones is on the ice, don't look very different from when he's on the bench. So that's the testament to their structure, huh? Mm. It might be, yeah. It might be. And the major difference between Jones last year and two years ago, where he was nowhere near this top 15 defenseman conversation, is that goals started going Columbus's way when he was on the ice. And generally, that's not something a defenseman can control. And if you look at the last two years... He is a little bit above expected, but not at like 60%, which is close to where he was last year. And then in the bubble, that had an outsized impact where he played against the Leafs. Everyone's watching that series. Everyone's seeing this supposedly powerhouse elite offensive team get completely shut down and who's on the ice for no goals against, but Seth Jones. So they assume that Seth Jones is the number one reason for that. And I don't think they're completely off base. I think he played very well defensively but there's an element of luck to that to that that he doesn't exactly control and when i talked to other analysts who have better data they agreed some of them at least that he does a lot of things good and he's balanced in that way but nothing in an elite sense i find it fascinating that he popped out right with Borensky because so many times i feel like they are a package deal, right? Like they play together. Mm-hmm. We talk about them. Like even if they make the Olympic team, we're talking about them being like a pairing together. Um, but most people you talk to around the game would rate Seth higher than Zach, even though they love Zach. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's a huge problem with any model, especially for defense pairings is the collinearity of their Word. numbers. Cause they always end up playing together. It's sort of like the Sedin effect. You can really separate them. And you just said, okay, they're both really good. And it's sort of the same with any pairing. It's the same with Hamilton and Slavin. It's the same with Yossi and Ellis. But when you watch, you know who is better. And that is Yossi for the Nashville pair. How do you parse that out for someone like Gensel? That's a great question. That was a great question. That's something we, we talked about a lot when we were doing this. Because Gensel is someone that the model really likes. And it's because he plays so often with Crosby. And if he's not playing with Crosby, he's playing with Malkin. And he's on ice for those elite results. But we're wondering how much of that is Gensel and how much is the guy he's playing with. And one of our questions was, if you 
switch Gensel and Philip Forsberg, who was one tier, one half tier below, does anything change for the Penguins? And we we honestly weren't really sure. Yeah, but this, but but like, what this, what would change for Gensel though? He doesn't play with Crosby it, or Melkin. Yeah, yeah, and it'd be a if question it, of if it's Ryan Johansson, this offense on its own. Yeah, I don't know. I listen. I think I like Gensel a lot, and I think that he could be the kind of winger that does create offense on his own um, and could drive mm-hmm. a line. But it's like you said, when it comes to when it comes down to it, it's almost impossible to really glean that when he's been so tied to two generational talents. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I'm looking at our list in, the, in this red section where we t- that we tend to disagree. A name that came up, and we one we struggled with, and we hit him kind of grouped in with some other similar two-way centers, was Ryan O'Reilly. Um, because we know intrinsically Ryan O'Reilly's a great player. Ryan O'Reilly's a, ga- a guy that you win hockey games with, um, at least when he's with the St. Louis Blues. Um, and so we had we ended up moving up higher than the analytics said, but we pro- I don't know if we overcorrected there, Dom, or not. But when I look at your guys' list, we had a much higher. He's than you guys did. And Fifteen for you. Yeah, like that's. I don't know. I don't. He's a tough one because because you know I guess there's immeasurables there. Yeah, and he was in that three A tier for us before, so he would have been right in line with y'all having him in thirty nine, and then we brought it to the hockey men and. It was the same with Couturier as well. They said these guys need to be higher. These are the type of sentiment you win games with. Couturier, I'll, I'll flat out say it was criminally low on our list. <laughs> um, yeah, there's a big gap in ours and yours on that one too. Yeah, I'll talk about Patrick King. I think we not to be. In, oh no, no, you want to go on these? Two no, years? I was just going to say that, like, when you stack up the the centers on our list that are ahead of him, and and I, and I remember I remember this debate with O'Reilly. Maybe you do too, Emily. Like. It was a situation of if you take all the centers that are ahead of him, how many are you comfortable putting him ahead of? Mm. So is he is he better than Bergeron? I mean, that's debatable. I think I think Patrice is getting up there in age, but I mean, Patrice with a healthy uh, Pasternak is still on one of the most you know dynamic lines in hockey. Is he better than Barkov? Is he better than Aho? Is he better than Barzell, Stamkos, Tavares? I mean, I love O'Reilly too. But I think when you start really taking a look at the centers that are ranked ahead of him on this list, we might have had him in the right spot. Yeah. I noticed you didn't say Mark Shifley. Where we do we have Shifley on our list? Sorry. Yeah, you guys have him ahead of O'Reilly. And I want to know what Mark Shifley did to make everyone love him so much because I'm pretty sure he was like top 15 on the NHL network list. You guys have super nice guy, You were about analytics. He's really nice. Nice guy. I I met him. He seems like super nice. Is like should I put something in my model for nice guys? Do I need to start like canvassing (laughs) all the beat writers? Like who's the nicest guy on the team? He gets extra bonus points. Let me flip it back on you. What what don't you like about Shifley that makes you Mm. so vehemently think that he is overrated? From I mean, like how many spots is he separate? Are we separated from our two lists on him? Uh. Not, not too bad. Far. You guys right, are exactly. in the same ballpark. <laughs> right. right, same ballpark. It's the it's the issue of having him ahead of O'Reilly and probably others that are a bit lower. But I think it comes down to usage, and this is the same argument with Ovechkin. Shifley gets a lot of ice time, gets a lot of power play time, scores a lot of his points on an empty net, which is good. He's closing the game down, but it's not that hard 
to get an empty net point. That's not an opportunity. Oh, a lot come of other on. players really get. making that argument. It's a, I mean, it's a fair argument when he's barely in the top 90 for points per six yet five on five. But like, are you an Ovechkin truther when it comes to empty net goals too? No, I'm not because in terms of Shifley, I think over the last two or three years, he's been consistently at the top for points. But you earn, you earn the right net. to be on the ice in an empty net situation. That means that that's, if anything, any, anything, a boost to his defensive argument. I, I do feel that way. I understand that part. But then at five on five, his defensive numbers also tanked last year. So I think it's an opportunity he's being given by Paul Maurice because his name is Mark Shifley, but I don't think it's one he necessarily earned last year and it gave him some free cookies to pad his stat sheet. <laughs> when you say his defensive numbers tanked, are you saying his, so that's an on ice stat. How much of that is attributed mm-hmm. to losing four of six defensemen the previous summer? It is a wonderful question. It's one me and Craig talked about a lot because it's something that affects McDavid and Dreisaitl mm-hmm. because Edmonton doesn't have a great defensive core. It affects Kane and Taves in Chicago because they also don't have a great defensive core. And it's the same with Shifley and a lot of the Winnipeg guys because their defense sucks. And <laughs> it's hard to parse that out. But at the same time, there was already a trend going back the year before where it started going downward. And you wonder if Shifley is part of the problem. To answer your question, I think I think... Shifley's offensive output gets overrated by our poll. And I think mm-hmm. that had O'Reilly had the point per game season that he had in his first year in St. Louis, he probably finishes ahead of Shifley. Is probably is, is my my take on the 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 methodology that was behind our poll. Yeah, and that makes sense. I think points per game can get skewed though. That's that's my major takeaway with the way most people use points is that they don't notice that 9 or 10 of Shifley's points last year were on an empty net. And they don't notice that he wasn't in the above-average cutoff for a first-line forward at 5-on-5 or on the power play. You know, I think it's a really interesting discussion in general about what a player's value is and what a player's value is on a team. Like, Barkov is the example that I'm staring Mm -hmm. at on this chart. And, like, he's 15 for you and 31 for us. Um, and 15 to 25. Yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry. I forgot about the range 15 to 25. Yeah. It's a tier 31 for us without goalies, without goalies. Um, and you know, Barkov is a guy that like, I think everyone in the league knows it and sees it. Like he's been underrated for so long, such a good, powerful game. Um, you know, it, it's just an underrated superstar because of his market. But then I see last year, a new coach comes in, Quenville, and I see him struggle. And, like, he doesn't quite vibe with Quenville, and, and he regressed a bit. And, you know, there, there's some kind of off-the-ice things that he's not gelling with the system. And, like, that brings him back as a player to me, or he's not going to have as big of an impact this season. Um, but, like, if you put him on another team, I might rate him higher. Mm-hmm. We, we had him a bit lower to start, and I think it was a lot of the people inside the game that pushed him up for us. People love Barkov. It was him. They love him. Yeah, it was the analyst too, and their major thing was that he's the one carrying Huberdeau, and that's why we had Huberdeau a bit lower as well. It's hard. It's really difficult in an exercise like this, even numbers wise, and also just watching games, trying to parse out line mates. Right? Like we we had a lot of debates mm-hmm. over the the Bruins line, and if you you know, do you lump them all together? Do you put Marshawn, you know, Bergeron and Pasternak all together, or do you? How do you suss that out? Like I think it's. 
even the Gensel Crosby argument, like it's that that makes it. I mean, it's it's a challenge to kind of try to figure out who's carrying who at times. So, the, the, Emily, you brought up Patrick Kane, and I, I, I want to touch on this before we get to kind of the last segment, the people we all left off. Um, you guys had him at thirteen. I, I I'm a pat like you know in terms of the player on the ice. I, I he's he's amazing, and he does amazing things, and he does. When I talk about game changers, he qualifies right. Like he can he can shift a game. But we did. We were we had we were pretty low on Patrick Kane. I think there was a quote somewhere in in our piece that said something like he's not even interested in playing defense or something to that effect. I think that's what ultimately hurt him in in ours. But I think there's a case to be made that he's close to where you guys had him. Yeah, I I agree with that. Um, if you look at his numbers in transition, his shot assist numbers, the stuff that the NHL doesn't have yet, it all looks really good, and he still gets a lot of points and. When he's on the ice, the Hawks have outscored their teams every year. He's been, well, almost every year he's been on the team. I think part of that issue is how much of that effect is playing in front of Corey Crawford, hindering that or helping that defensive game that other analysts have suggested is a major problem for him. It's kind of a damning quote, isn't it? He's <laughs> not even interested. <laughs> <laughs> there were some really good exchanges in terms of the quotes. The 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 best was so the to get in, really into the weeds. We were working off of a Google Doc, so you know we're both contributing at the same time. And I swear there were points where we were fighting for players through the quotes we were including. <laughs> like I would put something in about Seth Jones, and like twenty minutes later there'd be an anonymous quote anti Seth Jones, <laughs> and I'd be like, oh hold on, let me get on the phone here. And, and, you know, it, like you can almost, we were, uh, I, you know, we were joking about this, but you can almost read it and see who wrote each section or who contributed what. Yeah. I was deep in the DMs trying to fight Craig with quotes. <laughs> <laughs> Emily, are you cool? Are you cool with Kane being as high as he was on our list? Um, I am. Again, I think it's, like, I watch Patrick Kane a lot by virtue of yeah. Chicago, and I see the way that he has that McDavid factor that he can take over a game when he's around less talented players and just flip the switch. Um, and, and that's probably why Wing's so high. But again, if this is a predictive list and we're looking at his impact on the season, it's probably a little high for us just considering how brutal the Blackhawks are going to be. All right, let's take the last break, and then we can get into who we left off because it's there's some interesting names in there. All right, we're back. Oh, where do we start? Do we want to start with the Drew Doughty fight? Patrick Line. Let's start Patrick Line because you guys you guys were in of course he had a great game last night, so you I'm sure you're all juiced mm-hmm. up. But like let's let's start there because I I'll, I'll let Dom I didn't really let him defend himself there. So so I'll, we'll start with Dom. You know, where how come Patrick Line wasn't on our list? It's the same defensive argument. It's sort of like Ovechkin light, but much, much, much worse at five and five, and he wasn't even scoring as often over the last couple of years. I do think he has the talent to be a lot better and shoot way up this list. I think he looked amazing in the opener yeah. against Calgary. That shot, that first shot was insane. I've been actively trying to trade for him in fantasy hockey. I love him. I love his offensive talent. I I really wish he just had more commitment to defensive play, and I think we might see that now that he's trying to get out of Winnipeg to show that he's yeah. there. 
Yeah, we didn't factor in like super angry Patrick Laine, I don't think, into ours. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the NHL, not the NBA. When you want to get traded, you actually play hard. You don't just be half engaged like James Harden. You know, Greg? Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think he was maybe a skosh high on our list, but I think he definitely belongs in the top 100. Uh, just, I mean, he's an elite goal scorer and uh, his... Shot in what was considered to be a a down year for him, he was still, I mean, it was his best points per game average of his career last year. And I agree with you as, as far as the defensive liability part of it, um, no doubt, like he can definitely improve. But, you know, for our, our lists that have uh, young defensemen that have yet to really crack the code on the defensive end of the game ranked so loftily uh, to, to snub Patrick Laine for the same thing seems a little bit uh, short-sighted. Well, it's interesting you say that because you had Rasmus Dahlin at 49 right above Patrick Laine, and he certainly qualifies in that young defenseman who hasn't cracked the code yet. Well, as you can see, we've uh, juiced our model towards people who don't play defense. Um. (laughs) 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 But that's, again, but that, I think that speaks more to the predictive thing. Like, I think, you know, people, you know, we were asked who's going to be amongst the top players this season. Um, you know, the assumption being on Line's front, for me at least, that uh, he would get either more playing time on the top line or at least have a better center than he had last year, mm-hmm. uh, you know, based on the, the offseason stuff. And then in, in Dalin's case, I think that was probably also people just assuming there's going to be an uptick in quality, not only for the maturation of the player, but also the, the Sabres being uh, a bit of a better team. I, I, didn't, I didn't have Dalin anywhere near that high, I think, in my own ranking. But I could see why people put them as high as they did. I'm going to read a – I was going through my notes from interviews I did for ours, and this wasn't included in any of our coverage, I don't think, because we didn't – we were going to write a who missed the list. But, yeah, this is a little bonus. So this is um, this is from an exec who said, I would definitely include Kuznetsov in line A. An analytical model is going to be hard on line A because other than goals, he can look fairly average, but his goal-scoring ability is elite. Since he came into the NHL in 16-17, only six players have more goals than him. Um, none of those players is below 3A on your list. Um, and the 3A is Ovechkin, who should probably be 2B now that I think about it. Mm-hmm. Not saying line A should be as high as 3A, but he should be on the list 100%. His ability to score at that level makes him at least a top-line player. The The contention with that quote was him saying he does things at an average rate outside of goal scoring. And I think that's quite generous. <laughs> yeah. And we didn't factor in. He's super angry and he's going to have a huge season. We probably should have. Yeah. Um, we, we should have. That's a good one. So, so, and then that touches on Kuznetsov who, I, and I'm looking through my notes now, a couple people brought up as possibilities. I think that's, that's fair. Um, the Drew Doughty one, Drew Doughty, I, just to give, Emily and Greg, a little bit of context here. Drudati was one we were anticipating some blowback from people, you know, from Drudati, from Drudati, of course. That's what that's saying. Um, and because he's so well respected and he's so well thought of, in in nobody said anything for the most part to, to the point where I started prompting, like, "Hey, do you notice Drudati's not there? You know, just see if if people were, were just missing it." And people don't. People were not concerned. Um, yeah, it, because they, the drop-off has been pretty dramatic. And the one debate, though, I would say people seem to have was, is he bad because the Kings are bad and he just doesn't seem to be engaged? And if you put him on Toronto, and I think someone raised this point, he would he would 
jump up this list, I, I think maybe that's fair. A hundred percent. If Jake Muzzin was on the Kings, he wouldn't be on your list. So. Yeah, and that, by when I say Toronto, not because we juice the Toronto numbers, just because he'd be on a good team. Let me, let me make, <laughs> make that clear. Well, and I kind of have that issue a lot of times. Again, I'm in Chicago with Duncan Keith because I watch him out there and I know what impact he has in the minutes he plays and, and the way he plays. And I'm like, I still think he's a top hundred player, but he's in Chicago. Like if yeah. he places no trade clocks and goes somewhere else, like we're going to be respecting him again. Not to sound like a hockey man, but what does it say about Drew Doughty's compete level <laughs> if he's not giving it 110 percent right now? That he fit in. <laughs> <laughs> he, that he's um, reserving it for the Olympics. Yeah, you know? like I, I, he I, makes the I, team. I swear. I would be interested to see what the uptick is for him this year. I think there's a certain amount of um, uh, optimism that he could have a better season because the Kings won't be complete hot garbage. And also, you know, the idea that uh, I, I don't know who he played with last night, but there was sort of the notion that he might play with Mata, which will give him a a better kind of defenseman than I think he's, he's played with since Muzzin left and, and Martinez left too. So uh, I don't know. I, I tend to agree. I, I tend to agree with you that I think if he was in a better situation with a little bit more motivation and a, maybe a little bit more of a, a positive uh, spotlight on the things that he does well versus lingering in obscurity uh, yeah. on a, a former dynasty, then, um, you know, it, it'd be a much bit different bit of math, but Apparently, uh, enough of the voters on our list uh, are still enamored with his game and uh, ranked him quite quite highly. I'll read a quote cause I, just because I've got this file open. Somebody undoubtedly said, you'd think he'd have more offensive ability than he does, but he doesn't think offensively like other true offensive guys, but he's still a great defender. I, I don't know if Dom would agree with that. but I mean, contrary to what I was tweeting last night, I did end up watching some of the Wild Kings game. I could not resist. And Dowdy did not look great. And I think he was on uh, the ice given the puck to Kaprizov at the end. I, I'm not sure I was too busy screaming because I want a lot of money, but um, I think it was him. Is he on the Canadian Olympic team? God, I hope not. No. Am I the only Canadian? You are. This is a th- that you oh are. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, Craig's just polite. Um, <laughs> the interesting thing about the interesting thing about Dowdy, by the way, is even in the apex of his career, uh, there were still people that were like, he should score more. Mm. Right? He's, he's, he's always been mm. seen as a, as, a, as a top flight offensive defenseman, or at least a puck moving defenseman, but he never, I don't think he ever came close to the production that guys like Carlson and, and Burns had in, in their top years. Oh, no, 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 no. No, like those guys were, uh, you know, somewhere else. Like, but like they didn't. Neither of those players defended like Drew Doughty. Like that was the th- like, it, it, or we're even in the same stratosphere. I don't think defensively. Was there anybody else off of our list or your list that we you feel like we we touched on Dylan Larkin a little bit? I think you guys were harsh on him. He's. I think he's gonna have a good year. Same with Anthony Mantha, but uh, you know. Uh, we can ask about the one player in tier three that was excluded, and that is uh, Jared Spurgeon, captain of the Minnesota Wild. Oh, yeah. yeah, I felt bad about that. I think I think we had a few misses on the defensive side. For example, we had Truba on the list pretty high, mm-hmm. and I'm not quite sure why. I think that was one of those deals where in the we have one Rangers right before release of the li- yeah right right well that's your, that's it too well like right before the release of the list, I think there was there was actually sort of a come to Jesus moment of. Is Adam Fox better than Jacob Truba? Um, so uh, we – that's a, that's one that I think that was sort of a miss. But um, – and Spurgeon, I think, too, uh, the numbers bear out that he should be 
in the top 100. Um, and I mentioned off but top, uh, but the defense. My number one issue was Pareko. Like I think anyone who's yeah. lose realizes that like Tori Krug isn't replacing Pietrangelo. Pareko is replacing Pietrangelo. Like he's assumed this number one yeah. role, um, and he should have been on our list. That's good. Dom, did you have any like um, post? Posting regrets that we missed on in terms of getting somebody on there. I don't. I don't live my life with regret. I think I'm <laughs> happy with the list. Uh, I think we we did well. We we learned a lot yeah. about players and how they're seen across the league. We learned that different front offices view players very differently, and that's probably why trades are so difficult to come by in the NHL. Is some teams like players a lot more than others, and it was interesting seeing that. Awesome. Emily and Greg, do you have anything you want to plug? Not on the podcast. <laughs> what? I mean, you, have, you guys are doing things besides podcasts. You're allowed to plug well, you other can find, things. No, you know what? Yeah, you can plug. find our stuff. Uh, you know, yes. last year I had a Monday column, um, and I really liked doing it. It was kind of a notes column, and I'll be bringing it back. Um, by the time you listen to this podcast, I think the first edition will be out. So I'm pretty pumped yeah. about that. It's awesome. Yeah, Definitely. and then my column is every Thursday. Uh a cavalcade of fun and uh they moved me um like you guys behind a paywall uh as part of the espn plus initiative with um with other writers so apologies to canada uh i if you can't read me you will be able to soon i think from what i've been told and um then also uh, emily kicks ass on a regular basis on around the horn. Mm-hmm. And I am back on daily wager this year on ESPN two, the, uh, the betting show and, uh, and offer some hockey, uh, insight and whimsy there. Um, usually I run like three times a week. Dom, you've written 6 million things. Do you have anything coming? <laughs> that's like, I feel like you're like, ex- we got to just put you on a shelf for a while. Do you have anything you want to plug? Um, right now I'm going to take a nap for a week <laughs> and it's going to be great. But I actually do have a story that I finished writing on March 11th, 2020. And we all know what happened after that. And I'm very, I was so distraught, but it should still be good. Uh, It's about three-on-three hockey, which is my favorite thing in the entire world. And it's 9,000 words long, very Mm on-brand for me again. Uh, But it should be lots of fun. I hope a lot of people read it because I worked very hard on it and it's been on the shelf for almost a year now wow i'm excited that's great yeah i am too well thanks guys for doing this Uh, thanks for scrambling the jets and getting this group together i wish we could do it in person as we've all done i think previous podcasts um although emily i think the last in-person podcast i did was emily's um, really? We talked about this new thing, the coronavirus, oh, that um, and whether or not it was going to impact us at the GM meetings in March. Oh my God, it, did nobody listen to that? It's like in one big old takes exposed. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, the one thing we know for sure, it won't shut down games. Oh. There's no way. Uh, like I've said this a million times, but like I remember, I emailed Bill Daly. I go, I think Greg told me to. I go, we like, sit down and have a beer at um the Boca Raton resort. And I'm like, all right, you think you're going to have to shut down games? He's like, I'm, I'm pretty confident. We're not going to have to do something that dramatic. And that was a uh, March 6th, March 4th, mm-hmm. the 6th. So again, old takes exposed. That was a fun trip, Greg. It was. Yeah, that was thanks so NBA. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, thanks guys for doing this. It was awesome. And 
we will catch up somewhere down the road. You guys are awesome. Thanks for having us. You guys, yeah, you guys are great. I did run the numbers. Um, uh, Craig, you had uh, 32 of the full 60. Dom, you were at 26. Uh, I was at 54 of the full 60. That can't be right. And uh, Emily, I had you on, I had you a, a tier 2A of the full 60. Oh. Wow. Is that, Congratulations. Is that in terms of how many how long we talked during the, the podcast? Yes. I would like to yes. know the, um, I t- the modeling. I talked over a lot of people, so I, I was actually in the 50s of the full 60. Because that adds up to um, more than Emily 60. Was, Emily was anywhere between uh, 25 and uh, 57. That's a, that's a tier. Are um, goalies included? <laughs> <laughs> Um, you guys are all 1A in my book. Oh, that's great, Craig. Thank you. I want to thank Dom and Emily and Greg for joining the show. Again, I would encourage you to go to ESPN.com. Probably at this point have to Google for their top 100. But check out their list. It's really good. Um, and I, I'll include it when I tweet this out. And maybe we can get it in the show notes. But we definitely, if you haven't seen the player tiers that Dom and I put together... So it's a quick read, like 10,000 words. You'll be in and out of it in two hours. <laughs> it was pretty dense, I would say. Maybe next year we format it different or we break it into 10 different stories. I don't know. It was a lot, but it was a lot of work and a lot of fun putting it together. And, you know, I have a little bit of the benefit now of time, right? We're, we're a week or so into the season. And already, I can tell you, um, Dom and I, in putting that list together, we had debates. And we said, okay, before we release this thing into the wild, uh, who is the one player that's going to make us look bad? And I know we mentioned that in this podcast. And Sveshnikov's name came up as a huge candidate. I can tell you now, watching three or four games you know, for each team into the season at this point, as we record right now, uh, I got a slack last night from Dom suggest- suggesting as much. The player who may end, us, end up making us look bad may not be Svetch, it may be Jack Hughes of the New Jersey Devils. It appears that from last year to this year, um, Jack Hughes, of course, the number one overall pick in the 2019 draft, has made a pretty big leap. And I don't, you know, you never want to overreact um, three games in as we record, but holy cow, he is, um, he looks like a player transformed Always has the skill. Uh, Corey Massasak wrote a great story about the efforts he put into training. And I know that's a trope every training camp. Everyone comes in the best shape of their lives and they added weight. But in the case of, you know, a 5'10", 19-year-old, that's significant. And he has years of experience and he's still highly skilled. And I know, um, especially coming off the World Junior and you see the performance some of the his peers had, and and you wondered, I know Devils fans maybe were nervous, hey, were we sold a bill of goods here? Was this guy really worthy of the number one overall pick um, based on what you know the struggles that Jack went through last year? I think we're going to see this year he absolutely was, and we have early indications now. And if there's a, Jack, to be completely transparent, I'm not even sure his name came up when we were talking top one. Maybe it did. I don't know. You know, this this wasn't somebody we were like had a hard time placing because he just struggled and I you know my guess and again not overreacting to a small sample size at the start of the season but I my guess is when we sit down to do this exercise next year uh, he's in this conversation so I, I'm I am adding that on as a PS to this entire conversation 
But anyways, thank you so much for listening. I do want to, before we wrap up, tons of great podcasts uh, in the hockey sphere at The Athletic. Definitely make sure you're checking out The Athletic Hockey Show with Ian Mendez, Haley Salvian, Sean McIndoo. Um, it is great. It's a, it's a great show. You've got Scott Burnside and Pierre Lebrun doing the two-man advantage uh, edition on Wednesdays of The Athletic Hockey Show. I'm glad to see all these talented people come together for, for one podcast. Um, they've got Joe Pavelski, uh, one of the, you know, the great Americans of all time to play this game, is going to be the guest with Scott and Pierre. And, you know, Ian and Haley and Sean are great. They're insightful, they're funny, they're entertaining. So check out that. If you if you want your daily dose of hockey and what's happening in the moment, that's the best way to get it. Uh, of course, Mike Russo just killing it on Straight from the Source. Bill Guerin returns. Of course, the GM of the Minnesota Wild, he returns to, to join Mike and talk about their development um all awesome I, i'm so honored to be in the same library as as these folks in in the podcast space at athletic um and if you're not subscribing to the athletic i would encourage you to go to theathletic.com slash full 60 and you can get a subscription for three dollars and 99 cents per month you get the podcast ad free you get all of our coverage uh 50 writers uh endless stories it's it's a fire hose of hockey content for hockey fans uh again that's theathletic.com slash full 60 if you have a second to review and rate this of course you know i appreciate that it would be a huge help if you could go to apple pods and give us a, a quick star rating and a review um and i always love to check out the comments on the athletic app under the pod Whew, that's it So thanks again to Greg and Dom and Emily for joining. Thank you for listening. Have a fun season. Uh, I'm so glad hockey is back.